This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. There's a girl in Gotham Town who wants to kick bad guys around. When on the roof a suit she found, a suit that felt like home. A lady in a chair with wheels sees that girl knows how she feels. Together make a solemn deal, they'll never fight alone. I say, oh, Sir Stephanie, you're a fighter. What a bad girl you would be. A delight, a cast about angel, naturally. I say, oh, Stephanie, you're a fighter. What a bad girl you would be. A delight, a cast about angel, naturally. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 188. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Batgirl Rising, Part 1. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Bat fans. Thank you for downloading and spending some of your time with us today. Batgirl Rising is a soft cover trade that had an original cover price of $17.99 and I confess I'm not sure on the page count on this. One source has it at 168 pages, and another has it at 176 pages. Wow. <laughs> so I'll say approximately 172 pages and leave it right there. <laughs> this trade was originally published in July 2010 and has gone through subsequent printings. This trade paperback reprints the first seven issues of the third volume of the Batgirl series, but note we are only going to be covering the first six issues of this series. The material would be reprinted again in a volume titled Batgirl, Stephanie Brown, which came out last year, and that volume reprints the first 12 issues of the series, and it's also available on Comixology. These issues that we are covering were originally cover dated, October 2009 through March 2010, and we're each cover priced at $2.99. If you're interested in obtaining a hard copy or floppy version of these stories, you may want to go the trade route, as the individual issues are fetching very collectible prices. New and used copies for the trade paperback that I saw were all over the place, but for the most part could be found for less. 
Now, for our creative teams, per usual, I'm going to go off my memory and some online resources. Our writer is Brian Q. Miller. Miller began working on Smallville as an unpaid intern during Season 5, a job he held for two seasons before being hired as a writer's assistant in Season 7. Through his work on Smallville, Miller met creator, comic writer Jeff Johns, who introduced Miller to the editors at DC Comics. Now, Through these meetings, Miller landed a three-book arc for the Teen Titans in 2009. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I watched Smallville during its original run, but I first would notice his name here on Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. From October 2009 to July 2011, he wrote the relaunched Batgirl book featuring Stephanie Brown. Now, Miller is currently working on a Kickstarter-funded graphic novel titled Earthward, and Marcio Takara is producing the artwork. You can find Brian Q. Miller on Twitter at Brian Q. Miller. The cover art to these issues was provided by Phil Noto. Now, these issues were penciled by Lee Garbett. Lee Garbett is a British comic book artist born in the West Midlands. And if you do research a lot of comic talent from the UK, you could guess that he would work on the British Anthology series 2000 AD at some point in his career. And in this case, you would be correct. <laughs> Most notably, uh, he also was on the series London Falling, co-creative with Simon Spurrier. He also worked on a Judge Dredd strip for the Judge Dredd magazine. Now, in 2011, he drew a three-part crossover for Marvel titled Identity Wars, which took place from the Spider-Man, Hulk, and Deadpool annuals. Mm. Now, if you also listen to the Professor Frenzy Show, <clears throat> a plug for the other podcast that Jerry and I co-host, you know that I am a huge fan of the Image Comics title Skyward, where he is the artist and co-creator, and you can find him on Twitter at Lee Garbett. Now, uh, I think we should do this podcast a little bit of justice by taking a very quick look at the title character of Batgirl, this particular Batgirl, Stephanie Brown. This character has a very, very long history, and I know we detailed her a little bit in a prior episode, but I'm just going to give over some very broad brushstrokes. Stephanie Brown first appeared in Detective Comics number 647. That was cover dated June 1992, and she was created by Chuck Dixon and Tom Lyle. She's the daughter of the villain called Cluemaster. She has the distinction of being the only character to have been both Robin and Batgirl in mainstream continuity. The character had a teen pregnancy storyline in 1998. She was killed off, but it was later to be revealed as a ruse, and she can be found in recent issues of Detective Comics. Now, over on Amazon, this trade paperback has a rating of 4.5 out of 5 based on 16 reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 4.19 stars out of 5, based on 3,562 ratings and 114 reviews. But before you stop listening here, wait, 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 wait just a minute. On. What do Jerry and I think of this? <laughs> You'll just have to stay tuned. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. <laughs> Xenozoic Xenophiles. A fan podcast devoted to the comic series Xenozoic Tales. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. We hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in this excellent comic series from creator, writer, and artist Mark Schultz. Xenozoic Xenophiles is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. 
and find us at xenozoicxenophiles.com. Welcome back. Here is the story of Batgirl Rising. So there's a big thing to note here before we get started. Dick Grayson is Batman, and Damian Wayne is Robin, and we can talk about why a little later. Uh, and also, Barbara Gordon is Oracle and still in the wheelchair. So those are a couple of setup ideas uh, to get us going here. Batman and Robin are on a Gotham City rooftop watching Batgirl in action. They see that Batgirl doesn't have the skills they expect the current Batgirl, Cassandra Kane, to have. That's because the lady in the Batgirl suit isn't Cassandra. It's Stephanie Brown. How did Stephanie Brown, who Batman trained as Robin and was responsible for the chaos of war games, become Batgirl? Well, let me tell you. Stephanie Brown is back living at home with her mother and is a freshman at Gotham University. She's been lying to her mother and has been going out at night as spoiler. She's fighting some bad guys at the docks with Cassandra Kane, Batgirl. Bruce Wayne, Batman, is dead. Cassandra decides she was fighting for Bruce and removes her Batsuit and leaves the superhero biz, leaving Spoiler alone. Stephanie takes the Batgirl suit home. The next night, the GCPD surrounds a building where some baddies have a police officer, Nick, hostage. Stephanie Batgirl enters the building, and between her and Nick, they overpower the bad guys. The next day, she goes down to breakfast to find Barbara Gordon at the table, wanting to talk. Barbara points out how dangerous being a bat can be. Steph had already been, quote, killed, unquote, in the line of duty, and her mistakes caused chaos all across Gotham. With a bat on her costume, she will attract some big bats. At school, Stephanie meets friends Jordana and Francisco. Jordana is not a pleasant person. Francisco, though, is friendly. He invites Steph to hang out with them later, before Jordana pulls him away. The Gotham Harvest Festival is going on at Gotham U's Frat Row. There are some guys causing trouble, and Steph suits up and leaps into action. Barbara is monitoring things going on in Gotham, and Stephanie finds she is on the Batgirl suit's comms. Batgirl beats up the guys, but they realize that they must be on a new drug called Thrill that causes heightened aggression and adrenaline. The guys are able to get away in the back of a truck that pulls up. Stephanie and Barbara go to the Batcave to use the facial recognition computers to figure out who the thrilled drug dealer is. They identify the dealer, Steve, and the GCPD picks him up, but their squad car is attacked and the dealer brought back to the evil lair where we find Scarecrow waiting for him. They find the lair's location at an abandoned hospital and Stephanie goes to check out the place. She injects herself with anti-Scarecrow medicine. She beats up some guards and fights Scarecrow. He hits her with a toxin that makes her hallucinate. With Barbara's help, she's able to overcome the hallucinations and beat up Scarecrow. Nick of the GCPD comes by to clean up. The next day, Nick finds a note and lipstick on his car. Thanks for not shooting me, love, and a little bat, Santa's little helper. Barbara takes Stephanie to the same place in the Batcave where Bruce and Dick sealed their partnership as Batman and Robin. Stephanie pledges to be a good Batgirl. Babs pledges to support and guide her. Babs gives Steph a Batgirl suit all of her own. It looks great with her blonde hair flowing out the back. She goes out and Batgirls across Gotham. The lights are out all across Gotham. Stephanie arrests a purse snatcher. It turns out the purse belongs to her mom. 
She returns it anonymously, throwing it into the police station as her mother is giving her report. Jim Gordon and Nick are at a Gotham baseball stadium investigating a burned-up body in center field. Nick realized that the body had hit one of the lights and landed on the field. All of the problems are being caused by an electrically charged super baddie called Livewire. Stephanie shows up to help out. She sees Nick and says, hey you, as she swings by, which causes Gordon to question his familiarity with Batgirl. Batgirl faces off against Livewire and is lucky her suit is insulated. Another incident, the big bad Diesel has taken over a Gotham building and caused it to burn baby burn. His blood is super flammable gasoline. Stephanie confronts him. Batman and Robin show up before she can defeat him, and this is what Diesel has been waiting for. Damien is punching Diesel when Batgirl throws Oracle's freeze batarangs, which cause both Diesel and Damien to freeze into ice. Damien is predictably unhappy and later confronts Stephanie about her incompetence. Dick also confronts Babs about Stephanie as Batgirl. Stephanie goes to the Gotham U Library and meets Francisco and Jordana. Turns out, the building that was set on fire was Francisco's father, who was into some shady stuff. Babs and Nick have been set up on a dinner date by Jim Gordon. They fight. Babs leaves. Batgirl finds Francisco in the diner. He had been waiting for his dad to show up, and he is late. Steph gets into civvies and goes into the diner. Some bad guys get out of a van and attack the diner. She fights many of them off, but is shot and grazed in the head. Don't worry, kids. She's okay. But Francisco, he's taken hostage. An ambulance is taking Steph to her mom's hospital. Uh-oh. Oracle causes the airbags to deploy, and Steph is able to escape. Dick Bats breaks up a Damien-Stephanie fight and puts them both in a timeout. While they are off the board, the pair visits Jordana and play bad cop, worse cop on her. Turns out Francisco's dad is a gambler, expanded his business, but got in over his head and owes money he can't pay back. Dick is in a bat hovercraft looking for clues when Roxy Rocket blasts by and upsets the flight of the batcraft. Many weirdos in Gotham U hoodies attack Dick Bats. Francisco is at a building under construction, and his dad shows up. They argue about his gambling and how it threatens the family. A woman called Roulette, who has apparently been running this, releases Francisco because the attention the activity attracted got many people to bet on which Bat family member would win the fights. It made her enough money to pay off the debt. Fighters include Roxy Rocket, Dr. Phosphorus, and more. Batman is down. He's being attacked by the hooded creatures. The team set off to save him. The end until next time. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98s with the 300s. Lori the Morris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. It would be a good fight, though. 
Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robison, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. Welcome back. All right, Chris, what'd you think? Jerry, I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast because it makes me reread some stuff that I initially would never have thought to have reread. And I confess I'm one of the people that really didn't care for the Stephanie Brown Batgirl initially, but this swayed me to really, really appreciate and like the character. The writing was excellent. The artwork was good. I think Abnett gets a little bit better as an artist as he goes along, but I forgot how much uh, icon imagery here, how much of the dynamic we had with uh, Damien mm-hmm. and Steph, especially the dynamic between Steph and Barbara. Mm-hmm. How well was that depicted? Yeah. I forgot about the waffles. Here we had the waffles, <laughs> which would be sort of synonymous for those who really, really love the Stephanie Brown character. Mm-hmm. Whew, there was just a lot and a lot and a lot to like here. Uh, that's my initial impression. I know we're going to do a deep dive, and we'll have a lot of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Jerry? There's, a, again, a lot, just like you said, there's a lot to like about it here. So Dick, in this case, is Batman, and Damien is Robin, and that's something that I love. I love the Morrison run of Batman and Robin with those two, and I just think that it's really a lot of fun here. So just, you know, for folks that aren't maybe as familiar with Stephanie Brown, right? As you mentioned, she's the daughter of Clue Master. She's been spoiler. Uh, she's been Robin. She's killed by Black, Black Mass during war games, which is, you know, mostly her fault. And she's back now. It uh, turns out, I think, uh, Leslie Tompkins, I believe, faked her death. Yes. So, you know, and we have some really good Barbara Gordon here, too. Uh, Barbara is helping uh, the wheelchair-bound person, Wendy Harris, who I think you know a little bit about. Right, Jerry. Uh, thanks for mentioning that. Wendy Harris, for those a uh, little unfamiliar with the character, this character goes way, way back with her roots and origins back on the old Super Friends cartoon from way back in the 70s. And she was paired, you know, with Wendy Marvin and the Wonder Dog. Uh, so when the character made the jump from the TV series to a comic book, there was a text piece in the back of the issue that I think it was E. Nelson Bridwell mm-hmm. put text with who the Wendy and Marvin characters were. And it was said that Wendy Harris was the niece of a detective named Harvey Harris who gave Batman his training. That's so that cool. was really cool. And Marvin was Marvin Prince, who was the daughter of Diana Prince, not the Wonder Woman Diana Prince, but the identity of the character that Wonder Woman got initially when she came to – uh, the man's world from Paradise Island, and she needed someone, and this nurse wanted to get out of her civilian identity, become somebody new, so Diana adopted her di- identity. So that's where we got that character from. Great. Now, uh, this has sort of gotten a retcon feel to it. Wendy Harris, instead of being the niece of Harvey Harris here, uh, she, she's the uh, daughter of Calculator, uh, the character, the villain. Yep. So uh, we see her... Yeah, in a, 
as a paraplegic. This was the result of some of the incidents that happened in an Oracle three-part miniseries. Prior to that, she was a co-caretaker of Titan Sour in Teen Titans around this time, along with Marvin. So it was nice to see the Wendy Harris character back here, and I was pleasantly surprised, and I had forgotten this is where she was. Yeah, And it's great seeing Barbara Gordon uh, helping her out and, and trying to break through some of the problems that Wendy's having. Uh, and she's also, in this case, helping out Stephanie. So this is really, really good Barbara Gordon stuff. She's as Oracle in this story. She's in a wheelchair. She's on the comms helping Stephanie deal with the problems. She's really helping train Stephanie uh, in a different way than Batman trained her as Robin. And this is really interesting stuff. Stephanie is a very unique character. She has a lot of um, young energy. She's a little snarky. She kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Burnside Batgirl. Uh, just, you know, just a touch. But she's her own character for sure. And, you know, she's going to college and one thing I really found interesting in the story is that she's taking classes, and one of the classes is philosophy. And they're having discussions about free will and free action. Are we free when we have constraints on our choices? And most of these books, you know, when they bring in philosophy and stuff, it's just jibber-jabber and something to talk about as you go on. But this one feels really for real, like it's a real part of the story. The philosophy is an important thing that you know, is part of what Stephanie is dealing with in her life. And uh, it doesn't seem hokey at all, you know, and with her, and I think Scarecrow is a good character to be facing off against, uh, you know, Scarecrow, she, they get into a very interesting conversation as they're fighting. And it really, I, I was really taken with it. I really liked that piece of it. Jerry, yeah, you mentioned two things and let me kind of give my take on that because I had that in my notes as well. They do make a point of the philosophy class and the exchanges you have there. I thought that was really good. One thing I thought was unusual, they referred to the class, I think, as a 400-level class, which I, I, I'm kind of surprised that a freshman <laughs> is taking this. And they keep re repeating uh, over that this was a required class that she has to take. And I wondered, well, one of two things, is she that intelligent where she's into this class? But I thought Seeing it numbered as a 400-level class, unless something changed since I went to college, I, you would not necessarily see a freshman in a 400 class. Yeah. But I'm, I'm nit nitpicking a lot. Another thing, too, you mentioned the Scarecrow. Mm -hmm. I think the series could have gone in two different directions here. When you're getting to this point of uh, having a third issue, do you give Stephanie Brown an original villain, or do you give her an established foe to take on? And I kind of like the direction that they gave her an established foe and somebody who was formidable. Uh, this was not a C-list villain uh, in Batman's Rogues Gallery. This was somebody very, very, very cunning, and you could see his smarts, and you could see his evil and devious thoughts and this was good i'm glad she had to face somebody of a villain of this caliber mm -hmm. and having the wherewithal to take them on and just seeing the exchange and sizing up that foe one of the nice panels was just to see how different they are in size too oh, yeah. uh, with how abnett depicted them you got to see them in profile and he just towers over her mm -hmm. in in one one panel and i thought that was very very imposing mm -hmm. so i'm glad you brought up both of those points I, I have to mention before i forget too and i don't know if the covers are reproduced in the volume mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure they were one little side though well, the cover to number four uh, was Phil Noto, and that's where Bad Girl gets her new costume, and it's yes. insulated. And on the bottom, one of the villains says, 
what's your scene, baby? We got to know, which was <laughs> teased to the 66 right. uh, Batman TV series, which had the uh, Yvonne Craig Batgirl theme. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little nod to uh, the former Batgirl in TV. So that was really cool. That's great. Stephanie has a really cool internal dialogue throughout this. And, and I really enjoyed following it. You know, it really helps define her character. You know, she thinks about the mistakes she's making, and she's also, you know, at one time she's saying, oh, I'm, that's it, I'm done with crime fighting. No more crime fighting for me. Well, maybe tonight, but after tonight, <laughs> no more, you know. She's really addicted to this. It's a thrill thing. And, you know, it's not maybe the healthiest reason to to be Batgirl or to want to be out fighting crime, but it's definitely compelling, and it, it makes her kind of a very unique character. And even, you know, she had been beaten up pretty badly during war games. And Barbara mentioned that she used Steph's, obviously fake, autopsy photos to dissuade other people from becoming bats themselves. And I thought that was an interesting touch, too. Um, when they were in the Batcave, it, it was really interesting as, as Stephanie was looking at all the different bat suits that are kind of up in memoriam, you know, Jason's suit. Um, etc. You know, Steph, uh, Barbara says, you know, to have a suit here, you have to stop being a bat. And sometimes that's not for a good reason, right? Thinking of Jason. It's- One of my favorite scenes in the whole series was that, that moment right there. And uh, if I could pick a favorite, that probably was it. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And, and the other one that I really liked is they're fighting. You know, somebody says to her something like, well, who do you think you are? And Stephanie says, I'm Batgirl. And <laughs> Babs is a little cut in and Babs is saying, yeah, maybe. I think maybe that's right. So I thought that was a really cool scene is there kind of, Ugh, you know, it's a real feels like a win. You know, as they're trying out Stephanie's new Batsuit, it was kind of cool as she was setting off like, oh, well, usually we ha- take a couple of nights to get baseline readings and stuff. And she's like, ah. we'll do do that another time. I got to go out and beat some people up. And I thought that was kind of cool. And it made me think, yeah, you know, the technology be behind these bat suits. They would have to do things like that. I thought that was kind of a neat touch. That was, you know, I I, I speak of the technology too. One little thing though, I think it was an issue four where she's fighting live wire too. A lot of people were uh, on flip phones. Yeah. It was kind of unusual, you know, maybe that part didn't age well, but Hey, who am I to say? I I still carry a flip phone. you know, I'm, I'm not with it. I'm probably the only person in my office that does not have a smartphone as of yet. And I was getting a little ribbing from uh, the coworkers. I'll, I'll get on board before the year's out, I'm sure. But uh, I thought that was kind of a nice touch. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Livewire. There was a really great sequence. It's not only writing, but the art together really made this work. It's a sequence where Livewire is blasting electricity at Stephanie. And the bat suit is insulated. And it's her first night out in it. So she doesn't even realize that she's a... The suit is about to save her life. And, you know, Livewire is giving one of these traditional, you know, you may be fast, but you aren't faster than lightning. And she's like, lightning, <laughs> as, you know, the suit is absorbing it. And at the end, she's like, uh, are you going to punch me now? You know, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I got to chuckle out of that. I also, you know, there's also a lot of um, Dick is Batman and Damien there, you know, a lot of interplay. And Damien and Stephanie, Damien doesn't trust Stephanie, and they have a lot of back and forth between those two. They fight a couple of times. Damien is stalking her and giving her, uh, uh, what do they call it, something like omen stink eye or something like that. (laughs) That's so true, yes. (laughs) Really funny. I'm glad you mentioned that too, Jerry, because we do get a lot of 
dynamic and interaction with the Bat family, mm-hmm. which I think is sort of lacking in some of the titles to a degree, to a degree. But you know, how refreshing was it to see an honest and open exchange between Barbara and Steph mentoring her yeah. and Damien just being this little bratty prick, if you will, <laughs> you know, with with that. And you know, we even got a little bit with. Uh, the social scene, you know, uh, an arranged date for Barbara and uh, Stephanie talking to Tim and a nice byplay. How warm is that to see just one page of that, you know, in in, in here? And then wouldn't you like to see something like that in a current title, just some human exchange where they're not in costume and they're they're yeah. they're living lives outside the costume. We we only get to see them in the costume pretty much twenty four seven in a lot of comics I'm reading these days. Yeah. So this was great to see. Yeah, it was, uh, and so many great sequences like in costume, out of costume. Then one that I just can't let go by without mentioning. So Stephanie's there. She's fighting some bad guys up in a big tall building, and she's on a rope and she's swinging, and she's like, "How uh, how much weight can these ropes take?" And she's got two <laughs> bad guys on her, and they go. She's like swinging through the streets, and she goes past a uh, one of these Gotham tour bus with the you know top is uh, open air, and all the people screaming. Ah! She goes flying through the bus, <laughs> and a little girl is looking on, excited, clapping, and gives her words of encouragement. I I just love that sequence so much. That was brilliant. It, it was there was there was a little bit of charm in each issue in each yeah. chapter that we got in this, and I I was just so warmed by a read that I haven't felt in quite a while, and I didn't get that in my initial read of this. I remember picking up these issues when they came out, and I thought they were good, but not necessarily great. I think as an old time comic reader, Barbara Gordon is slash was my bad girl and how dare this Stephanie Brown be wearing running around wearing the costume and calling herself bad girl. Barbara Gordon was my bad girl. And I didn't give Stephanie, in all honesty, perhaps a fair shake. Mm -hmm. But in reading this now, I really got to see the characterization and how she was portrayed. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting a little more swayed to liking this character a lot, lot more than I initially did. I always kind of had a feel for her, mm-hmm. but now after seeing this, that she, she's gone up a couple of notches in my book, and I, I really, really have grown to like this character much, much more than I initially would have. Yeah, well, it takes time to fill them out, right? She was spoiler for a long time. I think a lot of people thought she was kind of one-dimensional, but over time, her being Robin, her being uh, Batgirl here, that's that's really powerful stuff, and she's become a more and more full character that you can kind of identify with and and i think a lot of that is through her interactions with the bat family you know with uh dick not trusting her with damon damien just being very uh aggressive towards her but then they figure out how to work together you know they play uh bad cop worse cop and um, you know it's it's kind of cute the way that they figure out how, what they're gonna do and stephanie says well you know if you think i'm bad you know you have to worry about him and he's a stabber Yes, yes. with the exchanges with Stephanie and Damien, there were so many just little asides that were just so priceless. Jerry, did you have a favorite exchange between Stephanie and Damon? There was one point where they were were arguing, and she's trying to correct him, and she says, and stop looking at my chest. And and he he responds, what chest? And it's just, I don't know, it's just a dumb kid thing to say. He's so nasty, and it just drives her crazy, and it just makes me laugh. I just love it. That did, too. That, That was just... Great writing and great artwork on how that was depicted. Uh, perfect stuff. stuff. And you know, like I said, I just love Dick as as Batman. I think it's he's a really interesting Batman. 
And there were a couple of points in here where they were thinking, well, remember, you know, when Dick and, and Babs were talking, it's like, well, Dick was Robin and Babs were back, was Batgirl and they would fight and they would spar and they would have a competition between each other. And guess what? Steph and Damien are in the same boat. And it's very, I kind of thought it was kind of similar seeing these, uh, those correlations. Yep, absolutely. So I, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to do a little aside here, just kind of talking about the modern Batman, where they are. And, sure. Uh, and so, you know, as we know that Batman and, uh, you know, Bruce and Selina, Kyle, were supposed to be married. And they decided not to get married, in, at least in issue 50, although Tom King is hinting that maybe by 100 they may get married. But, you know, I think uh, Dan DiDio mentioned, I think it was him, that said something to the effect of, well, if they get married, it kind of feels like Batman is over and we still have a lot of stories to tell. <sighs> Yeah, I know. Jerry, did this just recently happen over San Diego Con as we're recording this yeah, this I th- weekend? I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. And I just think that I just don't agree. And I, I hear here. I, I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. But, you know, you have the Batman story isn't over. Well, are you talking about Batman, the, the character, or are you talking about Bruce Wayne? Because I think Dick makes an awesome Batman. And you could have... Bruce, marry Selina, retire as Batman, Dick and Damien become Batman and Robin, and and Bruce and Selina could go off and, you know, be detectives like in The Thin Man, you know, married couple, solving crimes, getting into trouble across Gotham, like a very noir detective husband and wife. And I think that could make a fantastic story, not forever, but for a year or two. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, I totally agree, Jerry. There's a few things. I have a few comments on that. I'm not sure where to start. This is going to go a little all over the place, so please bear with me. You know, back in the day, too, in the DC Silver Age, they did somewhat of an experiment with that where Alfred would write these imaginary tales Mm. of Batman retiring. Now, albeit in those stories he wound up marrying uh, Kathy Kane who was the Batwoman at the time but it did show a post you know hero career of Batman and it had Dick and uh, Bruce's son uh, adopting the, the the identity of Robin and they would just the, they would be these tales of <laughs> they would wear these Roman numeral twos on their chest right underneath their logo but at any rate they would go out and fight crime and you would have these adventures of an older Batman, a grayer Batman, and it was interesting to see that dynamic. Uh, flash forward to, you know, recently, well, more recently, but, uh, you know, in the 80s, I think uh, writers like uh, Jerry Conway and Dud Mensch did explore these themes. You know, they, they had Bruce Lena go out of the town. There was one issue where they did a double date of sorts with uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary, which was wow. just priceless. And I think that relationship was really delved into and uh, Len Wein uh, just uh, got the ball rolling with stuff like that it was a great period for for, for, for bad fans that sort of got uh, usurped by the events of uh, Crisis and then later the year one and then just a lot of retconning and things got uh, shelved by the wayside and it really, for the longtime fan, didn't get revisited up until Tom King and you know we, we were here we are with the events of 50 and you know, fans, I think, are on both sides, and there's some vocal, but I think there's just, I think the fans who really want this are as vocal, but maybe more silenced. And I think there are, the longer time fans haven't necessarily gotten their shake, and they've been very, very patient to see Selena and Bruce together. And they, they want more of this, and God bless them, you know, we're, we're still 
clutch into our belt and we're not going to budge. And <laughs> sooner or later, I hope we do get to see these stories and the relationship. And you know, like you said, why not? You know, have them do uh, their their thing and perhaps have their own series and adventures along with a Nicanor Charles, what have you. Yeah. And one thing I did see, you know, I was replying to a tweet this past week. And somebody said their first two suit comic was uh, the one that had the Catwoman, you know, depicted. And I said, "Oh yeah, I remember that issue." Dave Stevens did the Golden Age Catwoman. I and I went to look at that page, and under it said, "What? What's her real name?" Selena Kyle Wayne. And I thought, in marital status, married. I said. Holy cow, they stuck to their guns with that. Isn't that refreshing to see that, you know, there was that conception, there was that catwoman that indeed somewhere in the DCU, mm-hmm. there was a married catwoman and her last name was, you know, Wayne. She adopted that name. Yeah. And I only wish we could have seen more of that, uh, post wedding life that they may have had, but we never really got to see in comics. But, uh, hopefully someday we'll get there. Yeah. So thanks for letting me roll for a little you bit betcha. there. I Jerry, I appreciate it. Hey. Bat fans, you gotta love the bat stuff. <laughs> so, uh, for this story, where do you think you would rate it? And, you know, is it a must read? Is it a recommend? What do you think? Jerry, uh, my rating is a solid four out of five. I really like the last volume, and I thought I'd like the last volume that we reviewed with the Paul Dini detective stories a little bit more than this. Mm. But I like this one at, uh, with the same type of grade, but for different reasons. I think this was more of an introspective read with mm-hmm. the characters and seeing how they develop. Mm-hmm. I thought the artwork was fair. I think Lee Abnett has developed much, much more as an artist, though, and he's evolved quite a bit from seeing the work here that he's done oh, approximately 10 years ago to the work that he's done now on the title Skyward. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm going to get into a little bit of murky waters, though, mm-hmm. because from a must-read standpoint, it's got to sort of have something in this volume that I would think would be canon. Did it establish some things here? Yeah, there was the bit with the waffles, and there was the small Mm -hmm. touches. One of the things that's going to hinder my score a little bit, though, and it's certainly no fault of the authors and the artwork, is that we just – I have to keep reminding myself, this is a show called Bad Books for Beginners. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things alluded to here that a new fan wouldn't – no. I mean, if you pick up a Batgirl book, I think the person's going to think, hey, this woman is blonde. Batgirl's a redhead. Mm-hmm. Do they explain that here? Well, they, they get there. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other things, too, which the trades never really do itself any favors is explaining things in a, a little editorial notes, which I'm sure you know would have helped a reader looking at this from a new perspective. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a story that is beloved by fans – in a series that was beloved by fans when it initially came out, I think it does hold up well, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. But for somebody looking at it from a new lens, I think just the way it's presented doesn't do itself any favors. I think a text page is certainly needed in, in a lot of trade paperbacks that kind of set things up mm-hmm. with where things are, with, with where, where's, where's Bruce Wayne? Why isn't he Batman in right. this? Little things like that, which, which kind of hinder and takes, take a potential new reader out of the story. And again, certainly not fault of the uh, creators at the time, mm-hmm. but uh, I am going to give this a four out of five and a marginal recommendation. Please, by no means, don't jump on me, folks. I'm only looking at, tell, Putting that out there from for, from a new reader perspective, sure. not 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 somebody who's who loves Stephanie Brown and loves this character. I am recommending this, but just with some mild reservations. Mm-hmm. Jerry, how about you? What's your rating, and would you say this is a must read? 
Well, I have to say that I went into this with, I like Stephanie Brown. I've always liked Stephanie Brown, but, and I read this a long time ago and it must've been very quick. Uh, and cause I didn't really internalize it. And there were a lot, there was a lot I ha- had to be reminded of in this story. And I just thought it was great. I just loved, I loved the whole experience of reading it. I couldn't wait to turn the next page. I couldn't wait to get the next issue. I just thought that the interplay between the Bat family, for me, you know, I know I've mentioned this on the show before, that the heart of my love of Batman and the, the current, you know, things that are going on in the Bat world is the Bat family and the relationships amongst the Bat family members. And I think not only is this an important, you know, Stephanie Brown, here's her as Batgirl. This is how she became Batgirl. I think it's got interesting things for continuity, for the canon, if you will, for the Bat family life. But then it has a lot of complex interactions between Stephanie and Oracle. Great Oracle stuff. Great Dick stuff. Great uh, Damien stuff. And the, the the correlations between them is as, as Dick and Babs are kind of arguing over what to do about Stephanie. And, you know, it's kind of evoking their past relationship. And I just think that this is so central in so many ways of, of some of these kind of interconnections between the Bat family, I think that this is a, this isn't one you mentioned in hundred percent correctly that new users could be confused by this. What? Oh, it may not be even obvious to a new reader that Bruce Wayne is in Batman here. And it's just like, Oh, is Bruce Wayne going out with Barbara Gordon? What are they even talking about? So I could see the confusing aspect, but for me personally, I just loved reading it. I thought Stephanie was so compelling. I would give this a four and a half um, out of five for me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I could even see myself coming back in a couple of weeks and giving it another read and giving it a little higher, you know, maybe five. I really do. I really love this. And I thought it was just what I read Bat Family books for. Now, obviously, I would recommend this. You know, there are some muddied uh, plot pieces. You know, I know with uh, Roulette, that was a little confusing. What Diesel was up to was a little confusing as to the plan. Uh, Played for laughs, it worked in context of the story. But, you know, I think if I gave it a real close look, I'd be like, what is even going on with these characters? But... Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend this story. Well put, partner. Appreciate right. your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. Yours too. Great stuff. Now, I just wanted to remind everybody not to forget to check Chris and I out. This is not the only podcast that we, that we do. We also do another one called The Professor Frenzy Show. Now, by this time that this episode is aired, gosh, we've released... Uh, 12 episodes of the Professor Frenzy Show. And this is about indie comics and other pop culture topics. And we've been having just a great time doing it. So check the, check the show out. You can search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy Show. And, uh, we are seeing some really good comics these days. You can get Chris, uh, on Twitter, uh, at BTO and Bat Books, where he reviews Batman adventures on Batgirl to Oracle. And you're doing all kinds of stuff over there now, aren't you? Jerry, thanks so much for mentioning it. Yeah, I recorded my last segment. One of the things I do also on that show is I review the Nightwing title in a brief segment that I love to call Nightwatch, and I look at it from a shipper standpoint. And we've got some Nightwing and Batgirl shipping, yes. you know, some Babs and Dick, you know, like like the old days going currently on in the Nightwing title. So I'm really curious to see what others think of this and what, of course, Stella's thoughts are. That's Stella who does host the Batgirl to Oracle show. Uh, 
On top of that, I review the Batman Adventures comic in chronological order. The Batman Adventures comic from the 90s was based on the animated series that aired at the time. Now, along with that, I'm still torn because we also have uh, Archie Meets Batman 66. Mm -hmm. And I bring that up because way back in the day, I used to review the Batman 66 title over on the Batgirls Oracle show. So drop me a line on Twitter. Do you think uh, I should put the Batman Adventures on hiatus or should I continue Mm -hmm. and review all three? A wealth of... uh, Material for me to look at, whereas before there was, you know, I, I was looking for something to do on that show, you know, and Stella always said, hey, it's your form. I will be happy to provide you a form nice. to, to do, to look at the, whatever you want to look at, Chris. And I am so blessed to be a part of the Backgirl to Oracle podcast. It's a monthly show. The new episode is going to drop, I think, this week. It might even come out prior to when this episode drops. So at Backgirl to Oracle, thanks for the plug. Jerry? Can listeners find you on the Batman universe and on Twitter as well? Yes, they sure can. For thebatmanuniverse.net, I review Batgirl and Catwoman. So that Catwoman one is uh, is a wild one, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing more about Catwoman. I've done one issue so far and more to come. Yeah, and I can't wait to see where Batgirl goes with a new costume, a little yeah. bit new creative direction as well, forthcoming. So, yeah, uh, I, I kind of like the new costume look a little yeah. bit myself. So. Definitely, definitely. So you can catch me out on Twitter at Professor Frenzy, where I cover my favorite uh, comic books, DC books, indie books. I talk about Dark Shadows. Uh, we live tweet horror movies on Saturday nights at the hashtag Spengoolie, and that's always a good time. Lots of fun. Last night was Barracuda at the oh. time of our recording. So, yeah, we got that's on board right. with the 19. I think it was 78 was the, uh, the Barracuda came out. Oh, boy, and what an ending to that movie. Uh, not a great movie. Uh, <laughs> upsetting ending, and uh, I think that's enough about that. But next week is a good one. It's the Munsters, so Munster mm. Go Home. So I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Now, we also listen to a lot of other podcasts, Chris and I, and one of the ones that we like to – a lot is Cosmic Treadmill and Weird Comics History with uh, Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics and Reggie at Reggie Reggie. And they discuss classic comics. They have they do great voices, great detail, just a really humorous look at some uh, unusual offbeat comics and historical things, too. Yeah. 100th episode drop just as we went before we went uh, to record. Wow. Uh, congrats on the milestone, guys. Definitely. Very, very, very proud and uh, something to to. to Really, really great job in and out. So congratulations. Congratulations, guys. We also listen to just about everything by the Sutherlands, which includes Warlord World, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Trekker Talk, Sensational Slews, Fantastic Fantasies, uh, uh, Convention Correspondence, just so much great content that comes out of them. You should definitely go out and check them out at uh, Rad Adventures. You can find them out on the any podcast network uh itunes or whatever and they'll be out there yep darren and Sutherland, great friends of the show great friends love following their tweets uh with with all their travels and just all the information just you want to hear a fine podcast check those guys out right there absolutely we also listen to the podcast from randy andrews who does soundtrack alley in gen 13 and he recently did a panel at Comic-Con in council bluffs iowa and uh, it's called Soundtracks Roll in Nerdy Movies. And you can go out to check him out on Twitter. I'm sure you can find him out there somewhere. And uh, you can see some of the information. I think he did a, a recent episode on his panel. So that's uh, that's great stuff. Yeah, uh, Twitter handle Randy the Comics Nerd. You can find him at Randall Andrews one Terrific stuff. 
We also listen to Clinton Robeson on Coffee and Comics podcast, which is uh, just uh, uh, he covers a comic book in the amount of time it takes you to drink a cup of coffee. So being a coffee drinker myself, I really appreciate that. And Clinton does a great podcast. Also listening to Longbox Crusade and Saturday Matinee Theater with Pat, Jason and Jared and Delvin. So that's great stuff over there. All their work is always good, and I'm loving. I just did a catch-up on Saturday Matinee Theater, which covers the old 50s Sherlock Holmes TV shows. And I just I was getting a little behind on my podcast listening, and I just caught up. I watched three uh, episodes of the show, and now I'm ready to listen to three podcast episodes of Saturday Matinee Theater, which I can't wait. Yeah, I go one by one, so I, I need to get ahead. I need to get a little ahead of the game. But, yeah, I, I do it one by one. But uh, always good stuff with that. Check those folks out over there, please. I'm also listening to Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace, which is a podcast I really like. If you like Wonder Woman, they cover Wonder Woman in every uh, media, movies, TV, comics, different ages of comics. Great stuff. Yeah, Golden Age, uh, the George Perez run, and New 52, along with the chronological looks at the TV episodes from the 70s. Wow. And presently, Angela, the host, is delving into Season 2 episodes. Mm -hmm. And I, I always love her take of those episodes. I think it's my, it's my favorite part of the show is uh, her, her look and uh, comments about the 70s Wonder Woman TV series. Mm -hmm. That's great stuff. Also listening to Parlopod, so I think they're doing a, a kind of a revamp of that show, which is going to be really exciting. That's John Benedict, and he does a terrific show over there looking at, at uh, comic books. Also listening to Selling Out by Dave Schultz, who just did a very interesting episode on uh, being imprisoned, which is something folks should definitely check out. Great stuff over there on the Selling Out podcast. I listened to Monster Kid Radio by Derek M. Cook. Uh, great stuff. If you like old fashioned monster movies, um, really terrific. They did, uh, I think it was the giant claw most recently. And that was a, a great discussion they had over there on monster kid radio. Now a new podcast that Chris and I have been listening to is a gal walks into a comic shop with Barbara and Bob and Bob's kind of the old comics hand and he's introducing Barbara to comic books and just listening to her Seeing these comic books with fresh eyes and their discussions is really good stuff. It is. I, I was fortunate enough to uh, sort of get an acknowledgement from the past episode. They they tweeted out, you know, what what Spider Man books? What, what, what for, you know? They they did a look at Steve Ditko on his recent passing, and then they come back to the uh, their audience and said, well, what other Spider Man books would you suggest? And I I suggested one and. One of the ones I mentioned. Now they got a ton of uh, some, you know, submissions, but they they did pick one of the ones I selected, and uh, it turned out to be something that uh, struck a chord with Bob. And I was I was very flattered to uh, get a nice shout out on their show with uh, Professor Frenzy, and we, we were really uh, very flattered. And uh, yeah, great great new friends of of the show, and I can't recommend a guy walks into a comic store enough. This is a really interesting format and I appreciate someone like Barbara being so willing to look at the comics medium and seeing what's out there and uh, seeing her take on this. Yeah, terrific stuff. Folks should check it out. So we've been getting uh, plenty of comments and social discussions and shout outs and 
Uh, do you have some of that, Chris? Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Uh, were comments on our last show where we looked at the Paul Dini detectives. You know, I know Reggie Reggie was was looking at this run, and he really liked it. We also heard from good friend of the show, Green Lantern HG, via Twitter, who said, another great episode. I have to agree with a, at B2 on Bad Books, that's me, hey, thanks, uh, that the ventriloquist needs a good story, mm-hmm. enough of having last on the list of the bad villains. Yes, here, here, Green Lantern yeah, HD. Definitely. Thank you so much. Longtime friend of the show, and you can find his uh, written reviews over on the thebatmanuniverse.net. That would be Ian Miller. And I'm sure Ian Miller is going to be listening to this episode I'm with sure. <laughs> some earnestness because he's a huge fan of uh, Stephanie Brown. So mm-hmm. with respect to our last episode, again, with the Paul Denny's detective, uh, he said, pretty great review. I love Denny's run on tech, and you highlighted exactly why, other than great art. Each story is such a well-crafted piece of narrative and characterization. Everything satisfies. Well, thank you, Ian, and I hope you're listening to this episode. And please don't throw me any, <laughs> throw any objects at me. You know, I, I did, I did. Uh, for the record, I did recommend this, but I did have some slight reservations with the way this was packaged, mm-hmm. and I did give it a good rating. So I hope you liked our take of this particular tome. Yes. Now we also had likes and retweets on Twitter from Dean Miller at Dean Miller One A. Dustin Fritchell at the Bearded Bad Chief. Hey, thank you so much, Dustin. We also heard from Duh underscore Man ninety four at Duh mm-hmm. underscore Man ninety four. Brian P Brewster at Brian P Brewster. Jared Albrecht, the art sale nice. artist at the Yard Sale Artist. Hey, thanks so much, Jared. Scott X at the Mind of Scott X. Damian Fassiandi at Damian underscore Fassiani. Fjorten at Fjorten. Jeff Hunter at Jeff Hunt three four nine one one eight five five. Again, Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. The Selling Out Show. Thank you so much, Dave. Again, the Selling Out Show podcast. You can find and follow on Twitter at Selling Out Show. Playboy at Keaton twenty three. Watch me. John O'Hare at O'Hare underscore John. The Two Old Two New podcast at Two Old Two New, and that's hosted or co-hosted. Thank you with by Bill Beer, who also chimed in, and you can find Bill at Bill at Beer, and he's at at Gotham Night Thirteen. Thank you so much, and of course Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie. Who I hope I didn't overlook anybody, and if I did, my sincerest apologies. Please tweet me, and you can let me know at B2 on Bat Books, and we'll be sure to mention you on our next episode. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time when Chris and I will cover. Robin, Violent Tendencies. Ooh. Mm. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. There's a girl in Gotham Town who wants to kick bad guys around when on the roof a suit she found a suit that felt like home a lady in a chair with wheels sees that girl knows how she feels together make a solemn deal they'll never fight alone i say oh sir stephanie you're a fighter what a bad girl you would be a delight a cast about angel naturally i said stephanie you're a fighter what a bad girl you would be 
bad delight A cast about angel naturally Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-